Welcome back to another episode of the NES Experience. Thanks for tuning in and listening to our podcast. Uh, I am just back from a trip from Arizona. Uh, it was a great trip. My girlfriend's cousin got married. We got uh, pretty tan down there in Arizona, did some hiking. It was a good time. Oh, just got to love a good tan, especially when, you know, you're, you're having a terrible snowstorm. Uh, in Albany, where I'm at, we had 18 inches of snow. Uh, about two weeks ago, not that fun. Uh, I also uh, started a new personal vendetta. Uh, I I went to a Mexican restaurant down in Tucson, Arizona. It's my least favorite city in the United States of America now. And didn't see a single person in the city. It was very strange on a Sunday afternoon. It was like almost abandoned. Uh, and me, my girlfriend and her family sat down uh took us four hours to uh to try and get our food and they they wound up not being able to serve us it was uh, quite an experience and uh yeah personal vendetta we'll never go there again how do you not get served food in four hours that's not possible oh ho, 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 ho. you you ned you have no fucking idea you you think it's not possible it's not probable and it fucking happened to me. It, at the end, my girlfriend and her sister were both like shaking. They were so mad. Uh, it, it, it was quite quite insane. Just didn't didn't get our entrees. They wound up having to to bag it up and give it to us as we were walking out the door. It was it was utterly disgusting and and a disgrace and a disappointment. Tucson, Arizona. Oh, everything else. Beautiful state, Arizona. Just just Tucson. Whoa personal vendetta um shout out speaking of personal vendettas six nes athletes are all new england athletes shout out to the hamden hall girls basketball team also another athlete for nes killing it billy sullivan uh new season same old shit band 400 uh as per ned so don't quote me on that and then the last bit of news we have is nes has a new assistant performance coach do you want to tell us a little about that higher net yes her name is taylor davis she uh, played four years of soccer at southern connecticut state university and is working on her master's degree in exercise science now so happy to have another owl aboard uh, she is also bt's girlfriend awesome welcome aboard the uh nes sports performance family experience group uh so today's episode is going to be about summer baseball aau and uh, basketball combine showcases uh and really why those things can be good why they're necessary and some reasons why you may need a little bit more time to develop uh you know both physically and skill wise before you kind of start dipping your toes in that that water um, so, and with that said, Ned, do you want to tell us some reasons why, you know, summer baseball is, is a good idea for, for some athletes? So, yeah, the, I mean, the big thing is it helps you get seen. We know that that's necessary. You know, that in order to get an offer or to get exposure and interest in your sport, you have to play in front of coaches and most of these organizations or some, I don't know what percentage, you know, they, they do come and, and look at the talent. The high school path, and this is depending on sport, but 
just performing well at the high school and your public school or prep school, prep schools are a little bit better. Um, you, you don't see all types of coaches, D1 coaches out there or college coaches in general, unless you have, you know, it's baseball and you got a potential first round draft pick. Of course, you're going to have 10 scouts at that game, but that is not, especially in our little state of Connecticut, you know, you don't see it that much, you know, a, an example where the high school season actually does work, that would be track because times are times. So by doing well in your high school track season, I mean, that's how fast you are. Those are your numbers. It's it's metric driven. You know where you stand um, based off of the distances or times that you run. So, But overall, um, I, I also think it, it helps with higher end players more. Um, so somebody like we'll use, even though we don't talk about names, but Jada, obviously Jada Johnson, she's going to BC, you know, for her, it, it was allowed her to play on, you know, one of the best summer travel teams. And that guy, if you have the best summer travel team, you damn well know that there's 20 coaches that know that guy because it's the whole recruiting process and networking process. So if you're attached to a big program and you're playing on their best highest level team and you are, you know, it's not a, it's not a going to be a situation where it's like, am I going to get an offer at all? But you know, Jada had offers in seventh grade. So for her, the bigger the, I mean, it just works out. But if you're farther down on the list um, or farther down on the team or deficient. I mean, she was developed at a young age, but not everybody, that's why not everybody goes to BC to, or, and plays, you know, P5 sports. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I definitely think, I mean, growing up in Connecticut and going to school in Connecticut, uh, it's definitely not the, the level of competition isn't regarded as the highest, so AAU can definitely help you get seen and get you exposure because you're traveling out of state uh, a lot of the time and playing competition that's out of state. So it really just allows you to, to get a lot more eyes on you as well. And that's really what it's all about, just, just getting seen, doing your thing. Um, and, you know, I don't want to discredit state talent because there's a lot of – you know, in Connecticut, there's a lot of talented players, but they get looked at in a negative light. It's not me making the decision. It's, you know, these coaches who have the thought process, like the old regime of UConn, where basically they never recruited in their own state. And then I watched all my guys in that era go to various places, Temple, BC, Michigan, like nobody in the state wanted, you know, to, to be involved with that you know that process um but so going to the the talents there but you're just not going to be seen because there's no coaches uh, and then prep schools the benefit of going to a prep school is you get to play other powerhouse prep schools and you know now you have more college eligible or college scholarship um type athletes that are all out on the court, the coaches could go out to like our hand and hall girls basketball game. And you got the starting five are all college level players. So you're going to draw more. If you're one really good kid on a team where, where the other 20 kids on the floor 
aren't really that good. I mean, you got to be real special for everybody to come just want to see you. So prep school gives you kind of that multitask and ability to get more. <clears throat> but I mean, we're talking about schools right now. The focus of the top or the podcast is, you know, AAU and summer stuff. But um, for me, the most important part and positive is it's opening the doors to the college coaches. So if you sign up for an organization and they're a good organization, and if, especially if they've been doing it long enough, so, you know, somebody who's been able to be a summer baseball program for 20 years, part of the reason that they're still going usually is because they have a network of coaches that, you know, these colleges go to them and then they can place them accordingly. Um, so, and for me, the networking component is the most important part of doing this is it's being able to get looked at and get yourself put in front of important people that can make a decision on you and give you an honest look and have somebody labor for you and convince them, sell you your <clears throat> summer AAU programs should be the best salesman on earth. And because they have to convince you know, that person that whatever your deficiencies are, it doesn't matter because they're great and you need to give them an offer. I think that is the most important thing as well, because really if your high school coach or your high school league doesn't get a lot of credit or doesn't draw college eyes, you kind of need an AAU, you know, organization that has, you know, those relationships with college coaches where you could have your coach say, hey, you know, I have this player you should take a look at. And then that gets you in the door, at least. And that's really all you're looking for is just a foot in the door. Um, so are there any questions like you should be asking yourself before you decide if you should play AAU or not? So, I mean, I believe that it's always a case-by-case basis. And it all depends on a variety of things. So there's no easy just yes or no. But I do think there's questions and that you should ask or and topics that should be brought up to determine if you're making the right decision or not and the first one for me is what's your role on the team and you got to take that loosely because to Karen's that means scream at my summer coach and make and make his life hell or my AU coach to make sure that he gets on the field to display his you know average to below average talent i'm not talking about that but it's important to be we're going out to build a resume and to showcase ourselves so if you are not going to get any burn then you know you're not what you're basically wasting your time and look i get it it's a team sport and everybody's got to pay their dues and whatever but i mean you gotta it all depends on what year also. So if I'm a freshman and I am deficient in a lot of different areas and I go to this AAU team and I'm basically not going to play at all. So I'm practicing, I'm burning my body out, increasing my risk of being injured. I'm on this team and it, yeah, it's, it's around and there's even college coaches there and there's all these stars that align, but at the end of the day, they don't see you and they don't know who you are. What's the purpose? Um, so you want to at the and from the baseball front, we see kids who want to get picked up for teams, and it's like you have to be on the you have to be on the field. I see it a lot with college; they'll go 
I have to do summer ball because that's a, I mean, we're talking about high school and college, I guess, but summer college baseball, you want to go across the country and you're a pitcher and you end up getting, you know, three innings in two months when there's a whole bunch, you know, more beneficial things to do. But it's, it's just trying to decide, you know, if you're going to step into these things, yes, in general, you need to play. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I I think really playing is what it's all about. You need film for sure. Uh, you know, being a, a football guy in high school, our only game film is is actual high school game, so that's where it's a little bit different. Um, the second one is, are you in show? I call it showcase shape. So how are you profiling yourself when you do step out there? You've managed. You find an organization. You're on the super great team. That's awesome. And now you go out there and play. Um, when coaches are going through this process of evaluating players, they are evaluating their, their strengths and your weaknesses and the things that you need to work on. So if I am a player that has a good amount of weakness, I mean, and they look for everything. You could be a first-round draft pick and you're still going to have weaknesses. It's not, they're going to be like, this guy is God. They're, you're going to have that. So... If you are underweight or if you're not strong enough or if you have bad footwork or if you're not explosive or fast enough or whatever, all of these things are going to come out. And are you now, of course, it's a continuum and we're trying to continuously make these things better and better. But ultimately, with a lot of these with baseball and with, you know, a little bit to some extent with basketball, like there's measurables, there's a look test and if you are an underweight basketball player, you know, 130, 140 pound bas- basketball player, and you're being looked at at college coaches, nobody is going to give you an offer because you're 130 or 140 pounds. So that would be an example of your showcasing. And yes, there's all the, the benefits, but to me, it makes more sense to try and work and address those things like passing the eye test and being big enough and strong enough and physical enough to play and then go out there and showcase yourself. And then that's no longer on their negative list. And a lot of times it's, it's what's going to help you actually secure the offer. Yeah. And if you're not in showcase shape, when do you think the best time to kind of get in that shape is if you had to do it? Uh, the off season. So for baseball, um, you are training. You ideally would train from October to March, but the problem is then they go into high school season, and then there's your summer showcase. So basically, for the summer, you are training October to March with a little bit of a delay, <clears throat> and then you're ready to go because you can't train really hard and showcase at the same time, it ends up messing <clears throat> your numbers and your play up. If you're basketball, you are coming out of your high school season in March. You want to try and get a good block of training in, you know, March 15th to about June. And then that just, I mean, by getting you ready, that is getting you back to where you were and a little bit farther than where you were when you entered your basketball season. And then for football, we're in the middle of this now. So you're, you know, when your winter sport ends of football, which is December, 
then you train from December to May, uh, and then you run through your dry run camp circuit or important junior year camp circuit, and you go through that gauntlet, you know, for your film. So the amount of when you, the timing, but none of those involve, all right, I got the camp circuit this summer, so I'm going to work out really hard this summer because all you do is get tired, hurt. You have to do all the prep first and then perform, not try and run them together. So the next one is, and they kind of blend together, but it's, you know, if you are playing and showcasing yourself and you actually look good, is there anybody there watching you? So, um, and this goes back to making sure that you're playing and being seen in areas with decision makers there, not necessarily camp with 500 kids. They can't see you with 500 kids. Uh, with that being said, um, you know, make sure, and there's like, there's some organizations and you go play and you play a whole season and not one college coach sees you. And for baseball, that, that doesn't fly for football. You could theoretically, there's film makes it does easier to, um, handle that. But you know, the, the need to have somebody there that can make it happen is important. Or otherwise you're kind of, you're, I mean, I guess practicing your skill a little bit, but you're wasting your time and money. Um, number four is I tapped on this, but the organ does the organization have a network of coaches to get you showcased? Are they going to use that network, um, to actually labor to get you in a tough, tough thing that I'm dealing with right now? All I, all I do is train athletes and they all play all of these programs. So I have personal experiences of 20 years of, of every organization and every sport that you could think of, and the end result. So I've been able to see a lot of things. And what's going on now is this rampant blow-up of, I'm going to create a new baseball organization because little Johnny didn't get the playing time that he wanted. So I'm going to be the coach, and I'm going to have all my buddies coach, and... We're gonna, and we all have the same problem because we're all their kids are pissed off that they're not getting playing time, and then you put them all together, and then it's this daddy ball thing uh, of nothing that happens because the organizations that do this, and then they'll be like, oh, I could do this because I know one college, and I'll just try and funnel everybody to one college. And the reality of it is, you need twenty colleges, you know, or five or ten or fifteen, and it just turns into a mess. And are these organizations do they really when i take on an athlete i will tell people when they walk through the door 93 percent of the athletes that come through here end up playing college athletics meaning 93 percent 9.3 out of 10 times they are going to go on and play college and usually scholarship and pay less money than they would do you know if they didn't play athletics but these organizations are they looking at it the same way is i do whatever i humanly possibly can to help the kid make the transition over and not pay full price for college. And 93% is very good. And that is higher than any summer AAU organization. You know, part of it's cheat code for me because I already, I am, I benefit from getting really hardworking, motivated kids. Like I don't have to deal with, you know, the mom just spending a whole bunch of money because the kid kind is into basketball. I get all those super hungry kids. They make me look good, but um, 
the I don't think these organizations are doing a great job of holding themselves accountable and doing whatever. And I hear the stories like this coach said he was going to talk to, you know, my guy said that he was going to talk to these coaches and he didn't talk to anybody. Like you, you figure it's, it's, they get exposed and then they leave. And then it's just a world of program jumping and zero loyalty. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a mess with baseball. It's even more of a mess. You go into a company. I mean, you go into a summer baseball program and the goal is the worst thing to do if I mean is to leave after a year because at least if you stay with somebody for four years, they know you, there's a connection, you're a repeat customer. So from a financial perspective, they should have some interest in trying to make you happy if they care about how they're running their business at all. And you can you have leverage to be like, hey, I'm fifteen thousand dollars deep into this and you haven't been helping me get I mean, they typically know you know, you can talk around enough to know who knows the guy, but um, you go there for a year and you'll you might pay three to eight thousand dollars for a summer, and then you leave and you just piss that money away. You were buried on a on a team, either you didn't play or they were looking at you know the the better guys on the team, um, and they're laboring for guys with better natural talent. So when you're on that baseball team, there's a percentage of guys that don't pay a penny. There's a percentage of guys that probably pay some, and there's a percentage of people that pay full price. So you, part of you doing this, are you paying? Are you going to the organization to where you're paying full price, and all the time and effort is being on, on the easy sell people that were going to be D1 before, whether you know they were with this program or another program. Um, that's me specifically going off on the baseball, but I mean, it's similar in all these, all these different categories. Yeah. I, uh, I don't really think I have everything or anything else on my list at least. So my takeaway is you're going to have to do this generally. It's just, it is what everybody does, especially once you get to your sophomore, junior year. Um, be careful who you pick, try talk to people and hear their experiences and their end result. It's the best way you can do your own research and, uh, you got to try and find the good person with good intentions that, uh, is gonna be a good fit. And it's really hard to do. And I apologize to baseball is worse. Basketball. I, I see it's more consistent overall i would say and you you kind of get you hear good experiences at least that's what i've been hearing for the past three to five years but baseball is a general dumpster fire and football the process is a little bit different but you know just ask yourself especially if i'm like a freshman or eighth grade or seventh grade i know we said we were going to focus on the recruiting thing but this getting a jump on this earlier and figuring it out a little bit earlier can help you save time but like, maybe you should play a different sport. Ooh, Ned, Mr. Uh, only play one sport guy. Well, the best time to play a different sport is <clears throat> in this 6th grade through 8th grade window. Um, or even maybe ninth grade. Uh, and do something different. So, for because you don't necessarily know what sport you're going to be good at. For instance, uh, myself, I was a baseball star. Uh, I have pictures that I've sent to my athletes. They laughed at me. My nickname was Scoops. I was a left-hander, big, hefty guy, moobs. 
uh, tight shirts, pulling on them all the time. Anyways, I was a star up until I got to, whatever, 14 years old. And then the answer is, I was like, all right, well, let me switch. I was always playing different sports. I switched to track. And what I was made to do in my life was lift heavy things and throw heavy things. And I found out that that was really what I was supposed to do, not the you know, shitty baseball player that I thought I was, I thought I was going to go pro, but I guess everybody thinks they're going to go pro. So that, that, and that sport change was the one that, you know, I had talent to, to potentially play at the next level. Um, do performance training. So develop yourself. So if I'm in seventh grade and I'm throwing or eighth grade and I'm throwing whatever, 80, not 80, that would be pretty good. If I'm throwing 70 miles an hour, Going out there and showcasing, throwing your 72-mile-an-hour fastball isn't going to really help you. Um, you could do training, and you know if you're throwing 72, there's a variety of reasons, and you can address those, You know whether it's how hard you hit a ball, how hard you throw a ball, how fast you run a 40. It's by actually preparing to put yourself in the ballpark of measurables so when you do showcase, you're prepared. Um and you, there's always skill work. So it doesn't mean if you're not playing, make say you make the decision not to play summer AU basketball, that doesn't mean you can't address skill work. Um, so if I'm a baseball pitcher, it would be getting pitching lessons. And if I'm a football player, it's whatever, performance training or... You know, I'm a linebacker. You could get line, you know, you could get a linebacker coach and help you perform at your specific positions. But try and get an honest assessment of somebody of what you need to improve on. And, and instead of playing more of that sport, pick more of the technical stuff or performance related stuff or sport change is potential better options than being the seventh grader where no one's watching on in the summer basketball team. For sure. There are definitely always better options than that. Uh, I did not know that though. And unfortunately that was my life for two years. Uh, I think that about does it for our AAU portion of this podcast. Our question of the week is a bit of a mouthful this week. Uh, Ned, if you could go back to your athletic career, knowing what you know, as a strength coach, would you take steroids again, knowing you'd get caught but only after you were done playing sports? Um, I would have to go. That's a random-ass question. So knowing what I know. So part of the problem is when I was young, I did a whole bunch of research on steroids. I'm actually the worst person to ask this question. Um, so I had ADHD and OCD and all types of CDs. And um, I was... There's only specific things that I was interested in, but if I was interested in it, I just locked in. And I basically became a steroid expert. I made every presentation. I would take that bitch and, you know, whatever class, health class, and I would spin it and use it in the public speaking class and spin it and use it in, in any version possible. So... With the knowledge that I know now and the knowledge I already knew then, there is no way that I would take steroids. Uh, This is like an after-school special because I think even if I took it 
because I didn't have the right training and like if I took it, I think I could have been a pretty good football player, but I couldn't have been a pro football player because it, I'm 6'2 with alligator arms. So that automatically disqualifies me as my ability to make life-changing money to potentially have it be worth it. Does that answer the question? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and this question of the week has been brought to you by Dare, uh, Kids Against Drugs. I got the button still. That doesn't surprise me at all, uh, in fact. Uh, but that'll do it for this week of the NES Experience. We appreciate you listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Just-